millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. I'm glad you're with us this week. 600 of our brothers and sisters are spending another week in jail in the nation of Eritrea. In the early 2000s, I had the privilege of visiting Eritrea. It is a beautiful country full of kind and generous people. Some of the pastors that I met when I was there are among those 600 Christians who are in prison today. And several of those prisoners are closing in on their 5,000th day behind bars. In honor of those 600 believers, I want to share an interview with you this week that was conducted four years ago with a man who also spent time in prison because of his faith. Dr. Berhane is now out of Eritrea, but he continues to monitor and support the church in that nation. And I wish I could tell you that because this interview was recorded four years ago, a lot has changed, and it's much better now for Christians in Eritrea. That wouldn't be true. There was a peace deal between Eritrea and Ethiopia that was signed in 2018, and a lot of people thought, okay, this is good news The Eritrean government won't be so worried about outsiders now, and maybe human rights will get better in Eritrea. That hasn't happened either. And so much of what Dr. Berhani will say about how prisoners are treated, that is still true. That is still going on today in Eritrea. You know, I have an ear for quotes and sound bites. I think it's somewhat of an occupational hazard But Dr. Berhani said one of the most profound things I think I've ever heard, and you'll hear it in this conversation today. Dr. Berhani spent 11 months in prison, and he asked the question, how do we understand the cross without suffering? I know you're going to be inspired by this conversation. I hope you'll pray for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea, especially those pastors who have been in prison more than 15 years. Dr. Berhani, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for having me. Most of us don't know much about Eritrea. Why is the government so opposed to the church? Eritrea came into existence, the new government, in 1993. And before that, our president was a very strong Marxist. So his background is is the communist ideology of there is no God. We want to control the people. We want to control religion. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of a, of a control. He wants everybody to worship him. So he knew that he was not going to get it from from Christians because we we believe. It's only God, it's only Jesus whom we worship. And he didn't like this idea. So that's why he became very strong against Christians. You yourself 
experienced that firsthand, be, being arrested for your faith and being sent to prison. Uh, tell us a little bit of, of your story. Uh, this was a long time ago. Before before that, we, we were under the Ethiopian communist regime. At the time also, everything was cracked down. You know, you cannot worship, even you cannot speak against the government, even you cannot have an independent idea. And I was working in this small town in Eritrea. Uh, I was working in hospital. Then one day the security police came and arrested me and sent me to prison and stayed there for 11 months. Even in prison, though, God used you. God, God gave you opportunities to minister. Tell, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. What I thought was when I was arrested, uh, I thought that God is going to work through me. There was a God's purpose for every situation. So uh, at that time, I was a new believer, but still I believe that my future is on God's hand. So I wanted to use the opportunity to share God's love to the prison guards, to the fellow prisoners, to the inmates. And God opened this opportunity. So every day uh, I was clapping my hands and prisoners would come forward and I share from the gospel. And sometimes some of the prisoners would stay to ask more questions and ask for prayer. So I did it for 11 months until I was released. How did that affect your faith? Uh, the fact that you were in prison, you saw God working through you. How did that encourage you or, or grow your faith? Yeah, when you are in prison, what you see is hatred. You know, everybody screams at you. The prisoners fight each other, and the prison guards are not nice to you. But you can keep this inner peace. It's because of Jesus. And you wanted to share that piece to the guards and to the prisoners. And sometimes you see people be, being touched by that, and they want to hear more about it, and they start to appreciate, you know, your, your faith. So this encouraged me to do more and more. Some people even uh, were asking and were praying and were accepting, inviting Jesus Christ uh, to their heart. And when you are in this prison, it's not like prison in the West. Most people were not sentenced. Most of the people were never charged. Just they keep it there. And one day they call five, six, sometimes 20 people and execute them. So nobody knows when he or she is going to be executed. And I remember one night two guys came to my bedside and borrowed my Bible, and they read together and prayed. The next morning, one of the guys were executed. So when you see those people being prepared, you know, to to face eternity, you appreciate that you, me being there was the, that was the purpose of God. So a lot of people prayed with me just before they die. So that's really um, a good opportunity. Did you ever feel? discouraged? Did you ever feel like God had, had forgotten you? There are times that you feel God has forgotten you, uh, especially when you see 20, 30 people taken from you, your clothes. You know, you become family in the prison. You eat together, you laugh together, and suddenly the prison guard comes with a list of names, and just you wait. You might be one of them but you are not, but your friends were part of that group. 
and you feel bad feeling, but you always, the scripture encouraged me. I remember one day they took 46 people in one day and I was a bit disturbed. Then I, when I look into my into the scripture, a scripture from the book of Psalms, says, though I walk through the valleys of death, you are with me. So I felt this is the valleys of death. I shared with the with the prisoners. I told them that's the place where we are, but it's not that all. God is with us. So a lot of people were converted, uh, and you can see. Uh, the power of the scripture for that dark time, dark day. Did they allow you to keep your Bible, or did you have to hide it, or how do, how was that? I, ha- I had to hide it. I had to smuggle Bible. So sometimes, you know, there is always search. They search and get uh, take my Bible, but I have to smuggle again. In eleven months, I think I smuggled three times. So it was three times was taken my Bible. One of the things that, that you said earlier today, you said that they separate out the Christians from the other prisoners. Uh, why is that? Uh, because wherever they are in the prison, they always share the gospel. And we hear a lot of people get converted, even from Muslim background. So the authors didn't like that. So there are a certain group of people, especially the ones who are free to share the, the, the gospel. You know, they, they built the, a new... Uh, prison for that purpose only to host Christians is in a remote place there's no transportation so they will not have any visitor and they will not have the comfort you know of sharing the gospel to others so they built a completely separate prison for Christians yeah so that they wouldn't share the gospel yes yeah <laughs> that's very sad but at the same time it's encouraging to know that uh, even in prison, they are being a witness for Christ, and they are continuing to share. Yeah, there's more freedom of worship inside the prison than outside, because once you are there, you are, you are there. You don't, you are not uh, scared of prison, man. So people feel free to worship inside the prison than outside the prison. What about the the Christians that are outside the prison? What what kinds of changes have they made because of the frequent arrest because of the security danger? They became too secretive, so mainly they witness one-to-one. So, you know, uh, people always reject the gospel when they are in groups, but when you uh, when you single them out, they would be more, uh, what you call, they, they accept more the gospel. Uh, so when in sharing the gospel, they do it one-to-one. And when conduct Bible study, they they have the strict rules, you know, this confidentiality. They meet in secret places. They change, you know, from one place to another place. So they become wiser and more stricter. So that's why we have less uh, prisoners this year than it used to be. Are there churches that are that are functioning? Are they meeting in homes? Are they just how how does it work to be a Christian in Eritrea? We have only home church, so there are home leaders, and in fact, we have we probably we have more Christians today than uh, ten years ago because there's a multiplication of this church, and a lot of people, even from the families of the authorities, the wives of the uh, of the people who are persecuting, are coming to faith. 
So we have these opportunities. So people are using that. So the church, churches are growing. So how many how many Christians could gather together in in one place at one time before it was too many? Before it was too dangerous? I think they could meet up to ten, twelve. Okay. But sometimes they become naughty. You know, <laughs> last year one guy he gathered one hundred and eighty people in his house, and the security came and arrested him <laughs> and all the group. A lot of them were non-believers, just came to listen to, to hear the gospel, and they were released straight away because when they were told to sign, they signed. You know, because you have to renounce your faith in order to be released. So these newcomers, it was not an issue, you know, signing. But 90 of them are still in prison. So when the Christians are arrested, if a church meeting is raided, they are given a document to sign that says... I won't be a Christian anymore, or I won't meet together, or what What uh, are they asked he, to sign? He, sometimes they ask one question, or three questions, or four questions, or five. In, for example, in one question says, I will never meet with other Christians. I will never read the Bible. I will never pray. I will never share the gospel. And I will never listen to gospel song. So this is one of the... Another one, it says, I will never meet or I would never, uh, that's the only one. That is the easiest uh, part. So so even listening to a Christian song could get you arrested in Eritrea? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yeah. Uh, uh, people do now. You know, some people say, if you go to the tea shops or coffee shops, just people, you know, uh, do it. And I think the government is now tired of arresting people mm. for that. <laughs> <laughs> How does the government treat the Muslims? Because there are Muslims in Eritrea, too. The government obviously doesn't like any religion, really, because they want to control the people. So is there persecution of Muslims also? It's not as bad to Christians. Uh, for example, in the early uh, 1990s, there was this Islamic movement uh, from Sudan. So the government started to crack down on all this Islam Islamist cell groups because they were plotting to overthrow the government. In fact, people say in 1996, Bin Laden was on in Eritrea. He came from Sudan. So, oh. so there, there was some Islamist movement in the mid-90s. Still, the government is fine with moderate Muslims. And although there is also, uh, uh, he tries to control them, but at least they are allowed to build mosques and they are allowed to worship freely. So they are not being targeted for being Muslims or for for praying. Mm -hmm. But they are being targeted if they are uh, one of the extremists try to overthrow the, mm. the president. Because the president so. How do you personally deal with the challenge of uh, I, I know your phone rings and, and you talk to Christians in Eritrea, you hear about the arrests, you hear about the beatings, you hear about the torture. How do you deal with that? How do you respond to that? Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, sometimes I really struggle to cope with uh, all this news, especially when I heard someone you know, murdered because of his face or someone was badly tortured. And sometimes they take all the families with children, including the infants, and they leave them in prison for, in a very poor situation. 
I used to have sometimes nightmare. The only thing I it comforted me was also the positive results that comes out of that. When they share the gospel and when people get converted, and they still feel that there is the power of God with them, but it's very difficult to dealing with this, with this issue. Well, especially I'm in a very comfortable place now, in London. So, are there particular scriptures that you draw strength from, or particular songs, or just how do you how do you recharge your battery to to do another day dealing with pain and suffering? Yeah, whenever I read the scripture, it's full of persecution in the scripture. You know, in fact, Paul says anyone who wants to live according to the will of God will be persecuted. And I know these people have choices. If they want, they can avoid persecution. And it's their choice. And it's a good choice. So that's also something that comforts me. Persecution doesn't come to us by surprise. It's a situation that we have to be prepared. When I became a Christian, I had this mentality you know, to suffer. I always was ready. I always live a very uh, mild life because I don't want to just to say that I, uh, I will be established in here. I never was been established anywhere because I knew uh, one day I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be arrested. So, you know, if you prepare ahead of time, uh, when it comes to you, you, you just start to praise God because it is God who who is in control. And how do you prepare? Uh, because I think... Most Americans, we don't even think about the possibility that we could suffer for our faith. I think so. we have to we have to read the scripture as it is. Sometimes we select some uh, uh, some scriptures that deals with blessings, and we just want to meditate on them. But we have to balance it. Of course, God is the God who blesses us, but sometimes also He lets us go through suffering in order to share. In his suffering, we how do we understand the cross unless we suffer? If we don't bring suffering. Suffering is not a, a pleasant thing. Nobody wants to. We always, you know, it's our natural instinct to flee from suffering. But sometimes there is a place where we cannot flee, so we have to embrace it. And at that time, God gives us grace to understand what real suffering means. And out of that suffering, we can share life, the life of Jesus. We can share the love of Jesus. People know that we love them when they see us, you know, being strong during the time of suffering. In the prison, when they were executing people, when they look at me, I was filled with the peace of Christ. They wanted to know more about him. We want this Jesus because... uh, uh, they knew that it was real. So suffering sometimes brings Jesus closer to our heart. And, and I think that's a lesson you don't understand until you suffer. Uh, yeah. It's uh, I can hear you say it, but until I experience it, it doesn't really take a hold. Yeah, I, I never uh, thought it would be a blessing to me. When I was a Christian, I was always avoided uh, you know, suffering, but I found myself in that situation, and God gives grace for that particular time. So you, we don't understand when people pass through the martyrdom, 
what they feel on that particular time, but the Holy Spirit gives them grace and we don't understand what sort of joy they would have inside. Your work now is is to be a voice for Eritrean Christians. Can you talk a little bit about your work and your organization and what you do? Yeah, about 10 years ago, I co-founded an organization. We called it Release Eritrea. And this was in response to the persecution that was happening in Eritrea. We thought we could do at least three things. One is we could let the world know what's happening in Eritrea. Secondly, we could support the Christians, you know, financially and with some material help. Thirdly, we could mobilize prayer. Based on that, we started this organization, and so far we are helping all these prisoners' families. And also we do some work with refugees, because some Christians are now left Eritrea and they're living in Ethiopia in exile. Uh, it's estimated up to 100,000 Eritreans are now in Ethiopia and hundreds of thousands in Sudan, in Egypt, in Israel. So all these people need our support. So we have uh, different centers now. We have a safe house in Egypt, three safe houses. When people get kidnapped by the Bedouin in the Sinai, Sometimes when they flee from their kidnappers, so they we get them and house them in our safe house. And after they are released from prison also in Egypt, we send them to our safe house. In Israel, we do mainly pastoral care because when people pass across the Sinai, especially most of the women have, you know, experienced all this... Uh, appalling, you know, a situation like rape and torture. So we have this women's center that we, we, we conduct, you know, that's pastoral care, counseling, uh, and we do a lot of physical assistance also. As we close, I want to, we always want people to pray. Uh, and so as our listeners are praying for the country of Eritrea, uh, how can they pray? How should they pray? First, we, we need to, to pray for a change in the government because that's the main source for all these uh, atrocities, you know, for all this imprisonment and being exiled. Uh, so pray for the government for change. We Good government is from God, so we want a good democratic government that allows us for freedom of worship. But pray also for the prisoners. Now it has been long, over 10 years. And they, I, I can understand they will miss their wives, their children. Um, so we can imagine how, uh, what sort of things have we, you know, have we done the past 10 years. But these people haven't done anything just in prison. So we need to pray for them for their release and also for strength, for, for health. And also we need to pray for, for, for the families. They are suffering from loneliness, and most of these people are left without any support because the husbands are the main breadwinners in Eritrea. Uh, and we can also understand it's tough for the children and for the wives. So also pray for the families. Dr. Burhani, thank you for your testimony. Thank you for being a voice 
for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea, and thank you for being with us today. Okay, thank you very much. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.